Every Tuesday, we get a chance to chat. Television voice of the Minnesota Twins, Dick Bremer. I think the Twins just scored again. <laughs> I think. Did they just score again? Dick, huh? now that's the way to start a game, right, Dick? And they're stringing wins together, which is, Derek said, Brad, earlier, it's just it's more fun to win, Dick. But that's the way to start a game, huh? Yeah, and, you know, for the longest time this year, you could argue the first three and a half months of the year, Twins were just hoping to score three runs a game, and now they're suddenly hitting multiple three-run homers in games, as was the case early yesterday. So uh, maybe what we're seeing is this lineup finally producing the way we thought it all would coming out of spring training. It's been a bit of a grind in doing so, and then we're always seemingly talking about uh, who's been put on the IL and who's up and where players shifting around. I guess I guess every team in the league at some point, Dick, searches for continuity and uh, and now Bucks back down on the IL, but 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 maybe that's where you're getting at too, just with with what they got right now, some continuity being shown. Well, and when, uh, frankly, some uh, unusually uh, good performances from some younger players. I mean, who would have thought that Eddie Julian would, you know, be an on-base machine for this Twins team with some power? Who would have thought that there would even be an opening for Matt Walner this year? It looked like the outfield was really going to be crowded, you know, even once we learned Byron wasn't going to be out there. But the Twins had, you know, Trevor Larnick out there and a bunch of other options. Uh, but it looks like, you know, Matt Walner is here to stay. And this nice run that the Twins are on now, five wins in a row, and really some good play uh, before that five-game losing streak as well. Uh, it's been provided, the spark and the production has been provided from some unpredictable sources and now maybe Correa is starting to get going a little bit too and uh, I've said all along and I've I haven't been made to look too intelligent having said it up to this point but I really believe this team's best baseball is ahead of it and maybe we're starting to see the team has kind of turned a corner here and what a difference it makes when a Max Kepler can get going too right I mean I think when you have a situation like that and you got a lefty who can actually be a threat on that side. It, it certainly makes a huge difference for this lineup. And who thought who saw that coming? Based on Matt's uh, uh, Max's at bats before the All Star break, right? I mean, he looked as lost as ever, and suddenly something happened, and he started swinging the bat with more confidence, more aggression, according to Rocco Baldelli, and the ball's flying all over the place. Um, maybe one of the things that's helped Max this year, as it's turned out. You know, they've they've moved a lot of people around in the field, second base, center field, left field, third base, all of that, first base. But they left Max alone in right field. And maybe he had uh, the comfort of knowing that he was going to be in right field all the time and he could focus on trying to get his swing back in order for whatever reason. He's uh, probably going through the best period he's ever had wearing a Twins uniform. And he's been one of the reasons, too, that this lineup is a lot more formidable than it was uh, just a few weeks ago. Looking at the catching, Dick, uh, early in the season when they signed Vasquez, that was going to be maybe a 60-40 type of thing. But uh, the way Ryan Jeffers has played and, and, and Vasquez has been has has been better at the plate in the second half of the year, but the way Jeffers has played has uh, made them uh, rethink uh, that uh, that idea. We always uh, talk about, at least the former players I work with, talk about having to make adjustments. Well, Ryan made some adjustments uh, to his swing, uh, to his uh, approach behind the plate, improving his defensive skills, and they've really, really 
paid off. And then we also have to acknowledge, you know, injuries have been a big part of Ryan's uh, first couple of years with the Twins. He was a backup to Mitch Garver for a while, and then uh, they uh, traded Garver and gave Ryan a shot at it, but he was hurt a couple of years ago again last year. So maybe what we're seeing is nothing more than what Ryan Jeffers was meant to be. It's just that he's healthier now than he has been. The pitching side of things, too, and this is what the good thing is, Dick, in all of our conversations throughout the year, we really haven't, outside of maybe some injury and when when are you going to get this particular arm back, it it seems like this has been the one constant. I'm saying this as I knock on wood, uh, Dick, moving forward here, too, but there'd be no reason to think that 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 won't continue, right? I don't think Pete Mackey, the pitching coach, gets enough credit for what he's done. Uh, I mean, just look at what uh, has happened to Kenta Maeda. He was a question mark coming into this year because he was coming off Tommy John surgery. And the first few starts, uh, to say the least, weren't encouraging that he was going to be uh, an effective starting pitcher for the Twins or anybody else for that matter. But he's turned things around. Uh, Dallas Keuchel stepped up and gave the Twins five really good innings on Sunday. Uh, A lot of scratch hits, soft contact hits, but he pitched really well. Uh, they've had the issue with Joe Ryan, who's had a tough time, uh, once he's uh, gotten, uh, you know, into July and now into August, but the rest of the guys have been really good. Pablo Lopez, uh, is back uh, being uh, the type of pitcher he was back in April. Um, you know, Bailey Ober has been really, really good. And when you have so many success stories on a pitching staff, uh, we probably should be giving more credit to the catchers and to the pitching coach as well, because this Twins uh, pitching staff right now looks pretty formidable. Well, t- you mentioned pitching too. Cleveland, they you know a week ago at this time they traded away their one of their best pitchers, and they're obviously in selling mode. The team is now two and eight since that. I mean, it, it, mentally it has to affect the clubhouse, no doubt. And right now this division's uh, pr- pretty much being handed to them on a silver platter if they can take advantage of it. Well, and they have because they're playing good baseball now while the Guardians, as you said, are struggling right now. At some point, they're going to have to play some games without Jose Ramirez because of the, the excuse me, sparring match he had with Tim Anderson. So, yeah, it's it's there for the taking, but in reality, it has been all along. You know, what we're seeing now is the Twins playing good baseball, uh, playing game, you know, well above 500 baseball now over, uh, well, since the All-Star break. That's what we expected from this team, uh, you know, from the get-go. They got off to a 10-4 and start, and we thought, well, this is a really good team. And then they just got stuck in the mud or the snow or something. They just couldn't get out of their own way, <laughs> while the Guardians have basically been, a, a, you know, 500 or a little bit below a ball club. So it's been there for the taking. Uh, the trade deadline maybe highlighted it a little bit, but the Guardians really haven't gotten their act together yet. And, uh, and right now they're in a pretty ticklish spot. You have to remember it was just at the All-Star break that the Guardians led the Twins by a half game, and now the Twins are clear of them by five and a half. The uh, Speaking of that, Ramirez, Tim Anderson, Dick, you've been doing uh, games for many. Did I hear your – who had – did Morneau ask you your count uh, a while back? And, and I knew you have done thousands upon thousands of games. When you threw the number, I went – Okay, wow. Yeah, that's a few games right there. But over all those games you've done, Dick, is there one or two, not to highlight brawls, but my guess is you've probably seen a melee or two happen on a on a field that, that, that rise up maybe in your memory? Oh, yeah, there have been a few. I think the one that stands out in my memory is maybe one of the hottest ones that ever happened in Major League Baseball, and ironically it happened here in Detroit. 
Uh, it was a few years ago, and the Twins were on the brink of elimination uh, in 2009. They ended up uh, winning the division in, in Game 163. But the Tigers had a chance to eliminate the Twins on a Thursday afternoon. And all seventh or eighth inning, Twins had a pitcher by the name of Jose Maharis. And he almost hit uh, Adam Everett in the head. He didn't mean to, I don't think. But he came up and in. And as the Twins were getting ready to hit in the top of the ninth, and they were leading by three, four runs, I think, uh, Jeremy Bonderman drilled Delman Young in the hip. And we had a bench-clearing brawl. Not benches, plural, but bench, because Delman charged after his own teammate, his pitcher, because he felt <laughs> Maharis well, was responsible for Delman getting drilled by a pitch. D-Y. So he was after his own pitcher. The Tigers came out of the dugout thinking there was going to be you know, a situation like uh, we had with the White Sox and Guardians, when in fact Delman just wanted to get his own pitcher and, and you know pound him into submission. <laughs> that was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen on a field, and it was a bench clearing ball, a brawl singular. <laughs> that's an incredible story. That is that's uh, that's just odd. That's just that's that's not right and right. I think at the same time, I don't right, know about right. that particular story. Well, and you, you say that too because. It's ironic when you talk about one of the teams that's behind the Twins right now. Just the dysfunction that the White Sox are having. It's it, you know it can happen within a clubhouse sometimes. I think the Twins. I would say what eighty percent of the time have always had a pretty good clubhouse. So that but those twenty percent, it can really affect how a team plays, and that's been pretty dysfunctional the past couple of years there. It sure has, and it's really coming to light now just how dysfunctional the White Sox have been. Uh, what we saw, uh, at least I saw it. I'm sure. A lot of other people saw it, too. And the White Sox were at Target Field a couple weeks ago. Tim Anderson, uh, who'd been swinging the bat pretty well, hits a line drive to center field, and he took three steps out of the batter's box, barely made it onto the grass around the circle around home plate, watched as the ball was being caught in center, then turned around and went back to the dugout. I don't think he went more than 30 feet from home plate and just stopped. And I just really was offended by that. If I bought a ticket, uh, to see a major league game, I, I would have, you know, booed my lungs out after having seen that. So I, I'm not a big Tim Anderson fan anyway. Um, but you know what happened between the White Sox and the Guardians? Like there was a, things that set that up or led up to that uh, exchanges between Ramirez and Anderson, and it got out of hand. And uh, it's it's fortunate I think that no one was seriously hurt, uh, and Anderson's. Uh, going to miss up to six games. He's appealing it, but I'm not so sure right now that the White Sox wouldn't be a better team without him anyway. Yeah, that is uh, tough. Speaking of a better team, when when Byron comes back, because I think he was swinging it a little bit better, and the poor man is, you know, he's had the, the, the childbirth, right? So that's great for him. He had a little time off there. He's had some injuries. It, it seems like we got to bring up Buck at least one time, Dick. So when he comes back here, uh, it, it, it makes the team better right i mean we're, we're still at the point is byron buxton right um <laughs> yeah yeah everybody wants him back let's not make any mistakes about that but uh you know the one thing it does because your full-time dh is on the injured list and now i think we've had three the twins have had three different dhs over the last three games and you can pick and choose who you want to put in there and it's probably not a coincidence that this twins lineup has has had some flow to it uh, a, the main reason, I think, it's my opinion, uh, Joey Gallo hasn't been in the starting lineup, and so you, you know, he and all his strikeouts are taken out of the game. Uh, 
but Buxton had been struggling a little bit too. But you know, it's it's nice having a five and a half game lead. But it's even nicer when you think, you know, Royce Lewis is going to come back. Byron Buxton's going to come back, uh, and in September, uh, you can uh, increase your roster to 28 from 26. Uh, so I don't know whether the Twins might not be very cautious with both of those players uh, in the hopes that uh, come September 1st, when the rosters can expand, both those guys are fully healed, ready to go, and then, uh, you know, get to start the ramp up to the playoffs. I was yeah. reading you right there, Derek. When you, I, when I, 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 that question. I'm going to say <laughs> it. I mean, I hope he doesn't come back till September because I, I just think they're better. I mean, he's he's not good enough to be a DH if he can't play in the field. I, I'm sorry. I mean, just that's me as a fan speaking, so. Well, we'll see how they play it, but when you've got that kind of talent uh, uh, coming back to your roster, that's going to be a nice thing. And we'll see how the Twins uh, handle all that because, you know, 26, 28, whatever the number is, you know, you add people, somebody's got to go off that roster. And, you know, you look at Eddie Julian and look what he's done. He's forced, you know, Jorge Polanco to find a different position. Look what Matt Walner has done. He's found himself... Uh, in the lineup uh, against every right-hander, it would be impossible, I would think, at this point to send him down. So, again, it's a nice problem to have, but the Twins, as good as they look right now, could look even better come September and October. Mm, Keep that flow going. Should be a good one tonight, Dick. Uh, Sonny Gray, we all know the the numbers he's got. Got an ERA of like 3-1, And uh, and Eduardo Rodriguez, I believe, is going for Detroit tonight, who also uh, sports a pretty good uh, low-earned run average. Should be a good matchup tonight, right? Yeah, and we got a beautiful night here, and we're looking forward to getting back out there. And it's a function of this team, I think, finally playing the way we all, most of us, thought that they could play. And they're playing really good baseball right now. Let's just hope it continues. Oh, before you leave, Dick, we, our question before you came on, there's a big food truck festival going on at the fairgrounds this weekend here. So we went around the room. If you could have a food truck outside your home that just is there when you leave in the morning, when you come home at night, uh, what what specific food truck? Derek, you went with what again? Uh, Philly cheese steaks. Philly cheese steak. I'd like to make that. That's my n- next job. Brad went with pork chops, Brad. You had a pork chop yes. truck? Yes. And mine was like a like a perch or a crappie truck. What, what, what would Dick Bremer, what, what food truck would you like permanently parked outside your, your place? Well, first of all, Derek, I'm going to go to Philadelphia from Detroit here, so I'll have a Philly, uh, <laughs> nice. real Philly cheesesteak for you. I appreciate you that. Go. But I, I think I'd have to uh, uh, make it a seasonal choice. And right now, and it's one of the worst things about this road trip, it's the height of the sweet corn season. Uh-oh. And I could eat two ears of corn for every meal this time of year. And here I am on the road. So if somebody wanted to park uh, a food truck with, uh, you know, uh, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, homegrown sweet corn, I think that would probably be my choice. Man, a lot. This is so good to have a noon show because you can get get pretty hungry by the time you're (laughs) done with it. Just a bucket of butter for me and some salt. I get it. That's not healthy, but I love that one. Dick, Dick, have a great call. Enjoy Detroit. Go see if you can get a couple more there in Detroit before heading off into Philly. Thanks for the time, as always, Dick. All right, we'll talk to you next week. You got it. The great Dick Brammer brought to you by Jefferson Lines. That's a great call. That is good time. You know what, though?